Thanks for joining us today on RV Tech Talk, a podcast produced by the National RV Training Academy that is devoted to discussing ways to keep RVs in tip-top shape and ways to make money fixing or inspecting recreation vehicles. My name is Greg Gerber, your host for today's show. Today we're going to talk with another person who helped finance his technical education by serving as a work camper at the RV park adjacent to the Big Red Schoolhouse in Athens, Texas. Today's episode is sponsored by Work Camper News, a magazine and online publication that connects RVers to full and part-time jobs around the country. Whether it is running a business from your RV or working short-term jobs for a variety of employers, Work Camper News can give you the information to help you plan a course to live your own dream and get you on the road faster than you thought possible. For more information about opportunities to live, work, and play in your RV, visit www.workcampernews.com. A.J. Fields is a mobile RV repair technician based out of Oklahoma. He wasn't always working as an RV technician. In fact, he's a former air traffic controller who took training just to learn how to fix his own RV. During that class, he decided to become an RV inspector. And while taking that course, he saw opportunity to make a good living as an RV technician. After he found a way to help finance that training, he attended all of the advanced courses he could take. A.J. was able to accelerate the process because his wife, Phyllis, also worked at the RV park. She worked 16 hours a week to cover the cost for the campsite at the Texan RV park, but she also works extra hours to generate more credit so that A.J. could complete the training faster. To earn his credit, A.J. was involved in construction of the academy. He laid carpet tiles on the floor and installed false ceilings in the restrooms and classrooms, as well as doing other maintenance around the park. AJ is happy to share his experience and explain how the training helped open the doors to new money-making opportunity for him. So please welcome AJ Fields to the show. So where are you located, AJ? I am in Northeast Oklahoma City. Northeast Oklahoma City. And why did you yeah. decide on that area for starting a mobile RV repair business? That's uh, the area that I live in. This is uh, the spot that we travel from go somewhere else we come back here okay very good and how long have you been in the mobile rv repair business uh just a little over a year okay super and you did you get some training beforehand or have you been a technician for a while uh, i started at uh, the nrvia with uh, a course on learning how to take care of your own rv and I had quite a bit of interest in that, and, and uh, after that, I decided that I wanted to do the inspection course, so I've got both of those taken care of, and uh, I've always liked to fix things. It kind of gives me a little bit of satisfaction to take something that's not working and make it work again, and uh, so they offered the higher advanced level courses at the NRBTA, the uh, training academy there in Athens, Texas, and so I work camp there in order to take my courses. Were the courses helpful? Oh, yeah. I've used those quite a bit in air conditioning and uh, furnace repair so far. Uh, the refrigerators, I have, the only thing I've had to do with the refrigerator is show somebody that they can't sock it like they do their home freezer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, uh, once they learned that they had to leave a little space across the back of it, it uh, 
froze everything in the freezer and refrigerated everything to the right levels in the refrigerator. But all that uh, came from the training that I had. Okay. So learning how to use the refrigerators the right way was one of the important things that you learned. Was any is, Did anything else really stand out in your training? Uh, a lot of basic things that uh, I didn't know, like uh, how to use a voltmeter to check out uh, amperages uh, and resistance or what have you. I'd done a little bit of that, but uh, you deal with those and I think just every course that they have down there. So I've gotten a lot more familiar with my meter mm-hmm. and how to best use it. So prior to taking the training, you had not used a meter like that before? I hadn't used it to the extent that I needed to use it and know the different functions uh, so I had a little basic skill. I could check out an AC outlet in the house or something like that. But then uh, when you're dealing with the RV, you've got really three electrical systems. You've got the, uh, on a Class A or, or a Class C, you've got the uh, chassis batteries that start the engine. And then you have the coach batteries for the charge for your 12-volt lights and 12-volt uh, for your thermostat and things like that. And then you also have a AC uh, outlets to run things like residential refrigerators and uh, a space heater or microwave and so on. So uh, I learned learned quite a bit about checking all those things while I was there. Very good. I understand you paid for all of this training by work camping. How did that come about? Well, when we went down there for the inspection, the familiarization with your RV and the inspection course. Um, my wife and I both were camp. She worked in the office and I was helping the uh, training academy get the the inside of the building ready to, to start off in the courses there. And I was in the, I don't know, second or third class, <laughs> classes to go through that and was actually standing in and looking at a lot of work that I did there. But uh, they use a hourly amount for the, the cost of the training. So I did all of that for the time that they uh, needed a lot of help. So I, I stayed and I worked as long as I could work to be able to, to take the courses. And I took all four courses that they offer down there. And uh, it took a month to do it. You go, go to school four days a week. And um, it's eight to five and it's a, a pretty solid eight to five, pretty strict on your lunch break and get back in there kind of thing. So they can get through all the curriculum. But, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun, a lot of great people that I met them mm-hmm. going through the course. So you were working working while going through the school as I, well? I could have done that. I could have, like, uh, worked enough to pay for one course and then taking that course and then start working again and pay for the next course. But I chose to, to do all of the work and bank the, the hours that I worked towards the payment of the courses. And then I uh, took all four courses, one right after the other. And uh, it was a, a pretty steady, <laughs> pretty steady uh, amount of education for a 63-year-old. <laughs> yeah, I would say good for you. <laughs> That's neat. So you 
you worked enough in those four weeks of the month to prior to the courses starting that it paid for the entire course, all all four of the uh, dance classes. Well, I had I had enough hours to to pay for all of them. So it was uh, I don't want to to get into how the hourly translates from one to the other because it could have changed since I've been there. But okay, but basically, one uh, when I went through it, one hour was uh, ten dollars, and that ten dollars you can use towards uh, paying for your RV site or paying for your. Uh, uh, advanced courses so okay. it, it translated dollar for dollar but you know i think the courses were a thousand dollars then so i had to work a hundred hours mm-hmm. and, and when we went down there it was uh october 29th of 2017 and my wife worked camped and that paid for our RV spot while we were down there. Plus, uh, she worked a little bit more too, and so that also went towards helping to pay for uh, the classes I took. But basically, uh, an hour was ten dollars, and a course was a thousand. So you just had to, to do the math to figure out when you had enough hours to pay for each each class. You know, so mm-hmm. okay. Like I said, I don't know if that if those rates have changed or the way they do business has changed. Since I haven't worked camp there since I, I left in April of 2018. We'll certainly make sure that the right policies and uh, procedures are in place before we publish anything. Uh, okay. Yeah. What kind of th- jobs did you do then when you were work camping? Uh, well, I uh, laid all the carpet tile in the uh, buildings there. I Learned how to do suspended ceilings uh, to get the first classroom open for a class. And the the guy that uh, was showing me, he left on one of the FEMA uh, details that they do to to help the hurricane relief uh, through the NRVIA. And uh, so then I got got put in charge, basically, of putting up the ceiling tile and the men's and the ladies' bathrooms, and then uh, a couple of other classrooms, and uh, all the carpet tiles. I learned how to put down carpet tiles, and uh, uh, primarily me and at least one other person did all the carpet tiles there. Uh, I got more experience in electrical work down there. Uh, Urban Briggs is uh, the guy that uh, is in charge down there. Uh, now for the for that kind of stuff, but he was in charge of the uh, partially in charge of the whole classroom uh, build up up there. So he had me helping him with uh, electrical wiring. We pulled a lot of a lot of wires through to uh, the upstairs classrooms and offices that weren't done, and wired a lot of uh, circuit breakers and uh, electrical outlets and what have you under uh, the supervision of of urban and uh, just anything. Uh, I learned how to pull vehicles out of, that were stuck in the mud, uh, out of the <laughs> mud with a tractor and learned to drive a tractor. So anything that they needed me to do, uh, basically I did it. And then they had enough confidence in my abilities that they knew it wouldn't take too long for me to uh, be able to 
to grab a hold of it and take care of it by myself. So you really didn't have the training to do these skills before you showed up. They provided it for you. That's got to be helpful. Yeah, well, you know, you at my age, you've done a lot of work around the house by then. And so I, I had a little bit of knowledge of, like I said, electrical and the meters. And I uh, put carpet down and uh, before I went in the military, back when I was uh, 17 and 18 years old, I worked putting on aluminum siding and storm windows and roofing. So I had basics of how to measure things and how to put them up and uh, the direction to work from so that as you walk in a room, you don't see my mistakes as soon as you walk in. You have to really look for them <laughs> towards the end of the room, you know. But uh, I had a lot a lot of basic skills from uh, just from life. And I was in the military for 22 years and uh, had a lot of various things that I had to to uh, learn and take charge of. I was an air traffic controller, but uh, you, know, you still learn how to how to do different things, fixing up offices and, and so on. So I had a lot of basic skills, and I just had to direct them to what they needed while I was there. Did you work as an air traffic controller after you left the military? Yeah, I did. I took uh, five years off, and then uh, I was working at a uh, computer help desk online kind of thing in a, in a uh, telecommunications center and I didn't like that and then I got a, a reply on a resume that I sent out and it was to go to work at the uh, Westheimer Airport excuse me in Norman Oklahoma which is the home of the University of Oklahoma's flying school so I got to work down there and that was a lot of fun for me. As soon as I realized that uh, I had to understand that the the pilots weren't seasoned military veterans flying their airplanes, and they were kids just learning. Once I learned that, that was uh, I would say my favorite job of all time was, was working at that airport. Mm-hmm. That's neat. And so mm-hmm. now that you're an RV technician, you started your own business. Yes, I did. And what's uh, it called? called Home on the Road RV Services. Very good. Do you have a website? Yeah, I do. And uh, it, it kind of came about accidentally, but the, the, the name of the, nobody wants to type Home on the Road RV Services to find a website. So we looked for an acronym for it, and it came out to be H-O-T-R-R-V, which kind of sounds pretty cool, Hotter RVs, you know. Yes. So it's hotter, hotter-rv.com. And uh, I had that developed by one of the work campers that uh, I met down there, April Wright. She was doing uh, some web design and what have you, and she's the the one that created the website. We had the inputs, and she put it it out there in a language that the Internet would would, uh, understand. Mm -hmm. That's neat. And so now do you do all types of RV repair as a mobile technician? Or do you specialize? Well, I do. Yeah, uh, there's some things that are a little bit uh, more difficult to do when you're a mobile repair because you can't uh, carry jacks big enough to to lift a lot of RVs. So basically, I do uh, plumbing, a little bit of electrical, uh, awnings, dishwashers, not dishwashers, I'm sorry, water heaters, um, refrigerators, and furnaces. 
had learned a lot about furnaces this past winter. This being my my first winter in business, I've had a lot of a lot of calls on furnaces. Mm-hmm. Okay. And basically, I'll go out and evaluate it. If I can't do it, up you know, if it's beyond the work that that I can do as a mobile tech, then I have to let the the prospective client know that this is beyond my capabilities. And we get a lot of calls. I said, we, me and my wife, we get a lot of calls uh, from people that can't move their RV. I had uh, a hot water heater or a water heater. Uh, since it makes hot water, that's not really the name of it is a hot water heater. But <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. Um, it's just a water heater. But uh, one gentleman that I, I called, he uh, had a leg amputated and uh, he lived in the fifth wheel and um, he couldn't take his RV and he couldn't hook it up to, to haul it in. So his RV was pretty much permanent in place. And that's that's a lot of the calls I get as a, a mobile repair is for people that can't or don't want them to take it into the local dealerships and have them fix it. Uh, they they prefer to, to keep it where they're at. And the thing about going into a dealership is you when you take it in, you're in line to get get it evaluated what the problem is. And then, you know, if it's under warranty, then they have to get permission from uh, what, whoever manufactured it before they could move ahead with the and order parts and get those in. And sometimes it can be two months before you can get something fixed. Um, uh, I worked since I hadn't been around a lot of RVs after I got all my training, I worked this, uh, the summer of 2019 at Camping World in Oklahoma City, which uh, I wanted that to get more experience around fifth wheels and travel trailers uh, because I've had two Class A's uh, motorhomes, drivable motorhomes, and I really didn't know that much about hooking up a travel trailer or a fifth wheel and some of those things I learned while I was working there and where to find things. Every RV is different. And uh, found out that you know, a lot of guys don't know where to find things. You just have to look because every manufacturer produces things differently. You have to be a sleuth, that's for sure, if you're going to try and find some of these components. So yeah. you did, after you finished your education at the National Airway Training Academy, you went to work for Camping World for a bit? Yeah, I did. Uh, okay. I didn't, I didn't work every day as a... Uh, a retiree, I've retired twice, once from the Air Force and once from the FAA. Um, I didn't need to work every day. I just wanted to be there and get some you know, general experience in different places. My trainer was a uh, was a service manager's son, and he's uh, 23 years old, and uh, he's quite knowledgeable. Uh, at 23, he just became the uh, ops manager for their PDI area, and... Uh, he taught me a lot of things, had a lot of patience, and this and camping world, I know that it gets a bad rap, but uh, when you've seen it from the other side, you can understand a little bit more of, of uh, why things are the way they are, you know, but uh, it was a good experience for me. I, I really enjoyed it. Now, how did you learn to run a business? Had you run one before, or did you get some training uh, at the academy as well? No, I... I uh, I'm still learning to run a business, to be honest with you, Greg. But uh, <laughs> I, I did uh, back in the oh, 
eighties and nineties, I was really into to golf real heavy and I did uh, golf club repair, which, you know, has nothing to do with RVs, but you still have to account for your nuts and bolts and uh, income coming in and income going out and that kind of thing. Uh, but now it seems like I have to keep track of a lot more stuff. How did you opt to promote your business? Uh, basically, what I've done is uh, the website, and uh, I dropped off some business cards at Camping World because I know that they have people that are uh, not able to get their RV in or they can't wait as long as they need to uh, get in to get an appointment. So uh, after I dropped off a few there, I was getting quite a few calls because the guys there know me. And uh, so then I started dropping off business cards at different uh, dealerships, you know, telling them that I'm a mobile repairman. And it kind of surprises me that more dealerships don't do mobile repair. There are a few out there, but uh, most of them just work on it in the shop. So uh, there's just a need. So I just spread the word through the dealerships. And I've gotten a lot of calls that way. And I've dropped off business cards and different uh, campgrounds in the Oklahoma City area so that uh, they know where I'm at and uh, they've at least seen me and, and uh, they would have seen my vehicle with me. And I hope I had a professional uh, presentation to them so that and uh, I've gotten calls from the campgrounds to from people that are staying in the campgrounds. So when you were taking the training and you were working and all that kind of stuff, was there a lot of homework involved with the classes you were taking? Uh, a lot of it, when you're going through the, uh, basic course, learning, you know, learning about how to repair your own v, own RV and you're doing the inspector's course, the level two, there was a little bit of, uh, homework there, but, uh, the level two inspector, then you were doing a lot of the, the preparing your reports after a class was over. And uh, you know, the inspection itself, uh, you know, it might take you all day, eight hours to do an inspection, but then there's probably four or five hours of uh, putting it all together, putting the pictures in the right place and that kind of thing. That was that was the homework there. And then in the uh, advanced courses, I don't remember any homework. Uh, the things that I did were, was... Uh, study some of the manuals that were handed out in, during the day to go through their troubleshooting techniques. And uh, there's videos online uh, on how to repair things, YouTube videos and things like that. So I watch those quite a bit, even now, you know, uh, looking at how different people uh, go about their troubleshooting techniques and, and what have you. And I found that to be helpful. And when I was in the military as an air traffic controller, when you went from base to base, you would have to enter training again. And I would see, by watching other people work and watching these videos, other people do things in these videos, and you can pick out the best techniques of of how to go about doing things for uh, the the specific task at hand. So that really, uh, really helps quite a bit, I think. Very good. 
And so you're happy to be in business for yourself and you feel adequately prepared to be doing this? Oh, yeah, I'm definitely prepared for, for doing this. Uh, right now, what's kind of holding me back is we've got a, a rental unit that uh, the past renter kind of didn't take care of. He destroyed a few things for me, so we're I'm not doing much RV business while I'm getting this house ready to rent again. Okay. I still, I'm still getting the calls, and if I can help somebody quickly, you know, then then I would go take care of that right now. But uh, until I get this house on the market again, that's my my primary uh, goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have uh, something that, that I don't charge for. I have people that have called me. And I haven't been able to make it out, but I can I can give them a, a list of things to uh, check uh, based on the experience I had going through the classes down there. I may not have particularly done a, a certain job, but because of the, the training that I had, I can tell them start here and check this, this, and this. And uh, I usually don't get but one call on that, so I think I, I probably helped them fix it. Well, that's <laughs> so, good. Do you have any advice for people who are interested in becoming a mobile technician? Just to keep on studying and keep on learning. If you do, if you decide to go into it, uh, you know, uh, don't think because you had uh, classroom training and experience and on-the-job training like I've had. Uh, just keep digging in and uh, looking for things that you can learn that will help you do your business uh, more professionally, because uh, it, it's there's so many RV types out there that you can't possibly be expected to, to know them all, but you need to know where the resources are, uh, the troubleshooting manuals and YouTube videos and anything that can help you uh, correctly fix something for the, for your customers. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. I noticed on your website that you also offer a new RV orientation. For people who bought an RV, is this a service that you just added? I've had it on there. I uh, haven't really had any customers for that yet, but uh, I have had people that have bought used RVs and new RVs that that it's their first experience with an RV. And usually if I have to go out to repair something, I end up uh, answering 20 or 30 questions, you know, that, uh, well, what does this do, and why does it do that, and, and so on and so forth. But, uh, uh, a lot of a lot of people think that it's like like a house because it's got sinks and toilets and electricity and everything. And until they actually start to live in it or camp in it, they, they don't realize the di- the differences. So uh, I wish some more people would would uh, take me up on the uh, the orientation. Uh, so I could devote all my time to that when when uh, I'm on a, on a call, service call, but uh, <laughs> they uh, it has it hasn't taken off like I thought it would, and I, and I know uh, you could compare it to uh, a dealership uh, show out or walk through uh, with a customer, but having bought two new RVs, I know that the uh, explanation of everything that they gave at that time wasn't enough for a new RV owner. Uh, And the person that's giving it isn't always the best trained and equipped to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I think I can offer a little more in that area. I noticed that when I, I had a motor home for a couple of years and I was full-time living in it, when I bought it, I did get an orientation from the dealership, but I found that I learned a lot just by using it. So having somebody who is experienced in using an RV provide that kind of orientation is a big help too. Yeah, I think it is. I'll give you an example of something that I even called uh, the manufacturer of my RV because I had an exterior kitchen and the, the exterior kitchen sink wouldn't drain. And when I called the manufacturer, they said, oh, well, the, the uh, vent pipe is, is probably plugged, probably has a bird nest or something in it like that. You'll have to have uh, your dealership look into that. And uh, when I went in to pick it up, it was like, uh, we're not going to charge you for this because there was nothing wrong with your kitchen drain. I'm like, it won't drain. And he said there was nothing in the vent. And they got to looking around, and it looks just like a, every other light switch in my RV, but stuck up underneath the cabinet in the, in the outdoor kitchen was a switch. And that switch turned on a transfer pump huh. to take that out of there. You know, So um, fortunately, the guy that was troubleshooting my issue had seen that before, and he knew, what it, knew where, where to go look to make sure it was working, and that's all it was, was a switch. So you find that in, in all different kinds of RVs, you know, mm-hmm. things that you think are, should work just because they work everywhere else, like a kitchen sink, they're not necessarily that way. They have a little additional pump that you need to know about. One final question. I noticed okay. that you offer fluid analysis as well. Right. And what is that beneficial for people to look at? Yes, it is, because it gives you a uh, an idea of what's going on in your uh, engine, your transmission, and in your coolants that uh, might lead to increasing the, the time of the, uh, between your oil changes and your uh, transmission fluid changes and so on. Or it could also show you, hey, there, there's something seriously wrong. We shouldn't. What what it analysis does is it looks for different types of wear metals and what have you. And while there is a break-in period, say on a Class A motorhome, of um, the types of metal that you should see, we also know what types of metal you shouldn't see in in these analysis. Um, just a little bit of history. As I said, I was in the military first three years in the military, I was an aircraft mechanic, and uh, fluid sampling was taking place all the way back in the uh, 70s when I started working on airplanes. So it's not uh, it's not something new to uh, the combustion engines that uh, this takes place. Something It's not something just to get your money. It's actually, you know, a lot of science in it to, to help you determine you know, is, is there a problem or not? And it may also, from the inspection standpoint, if you do fluid sampling during an inspection, it might identify something wrong with an engine or transmission that could cost you four or $5,000 to get repaired 
and now you're the new owner with this bill, you're not going to, you know, you would like to have been able to avoid that. Right. Is, exp- is the analysis expensive? No, I don't think it is when you, when you consider the value of it. Uh, if you put the, the uh, fluid sampling and an inspection together, it may seem like it's a, a, lot of, a lot of cash to lay out for something that you don't own yet. And, uh, but the, what it might save you uh, in cost of uh, engine repairs and what the inspection might save you in uh, the fact that it finds that this RV needs a, a, a new roof, uh, it, it may uh, just be what you need to know to say, nah, I'm going to pass on this one and see if I can't find something better. Uh, I think all the services that the uh, NRVIA offer uh, as far as uh, the training so you understand this stuff and the, the, the schooling, uh, it, it's definitely a, a much-needed program you know, to uh, educate the, the, the public. Very good. Well, thanks, AJ, for taking time to answer these questions. I really appreciate it. Okay. A.J. Fields was one of the first people to take advantage of the work-study program developed by the National RV Training Academy. Doing odd jobs around the Texan RV Park, along with his wife, Phyllis, A.J. was able to accelerate his education because the couple earned $10 toward the cost of his training for every hour they worked doing jobs around the park and at the academy. As A.J. completed one training course, it seemed he became aware of new opportunities, which required more training. He paid for the introductory course by himself, but they applied work-study credit to cover the cost of the additional training. That put him on the fast track for learning how to fix a variety of RVs. Like AJ said, it's almost impossible for someone to learn how to fix all the different equipment on an RV, let alone all the different RV models on their own. He was especially appreciative of the variety of equipment he was exposed to at the Texan RV Park and at the National RV Training Academy. Training was so thorough that AJ is comfortable helping troubleshoot problems over the phone for other RV owners. The training also aided him in opening home-on-the-road RV services to offer a variety of services to people from inspecting RVs to showing them how to use the equipment they bought to fixing problems when they occur. You can find out more about AJ and his company at www.hotr-rv.com. There are a number of courses available at the National RV Training Academy in Athens, Texas. The Academy's one-week live training or home study course will teach you everything you need to know to fix about 80% of the problems people experience with their RVs. You can also sign up for additional training to become an RV inspector, campground technician, or to provide mobile RV service. For more information, visit www.nrvta.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Work Camper News, a magazine and online publication that connects RVers to full and part-time jobs around the country. Whether it is running a business from your RV or working short-term jobs for a variety of employers, Work Camper News can give you information to help you plan a course to live your own dream and get you on the road faster than you thought possible. For more information about opportunities to live, work, and play in your RV, visit www.workcampernews.com. That's all we have for this week's show. We'll see you next week on RV Tech Talk. Thanks for listening.